Right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind and Muscle Show. I am so happy to bring a fellow spiritual worker here on my podcast today to really just conversate about this thing that I've shared with you guys in the last couple of episodes, this vision. And now that I have really put this vision out into the world, I'm starting to notice that a couple of synchronicities are happening. Like one, my friend JR, old client, came out, who now goes by Harmony, came out of nowhere to me with an opportunity to speak in elementary schools. So now I'm going to be able to do that next year. And then I had somebody else want to come in and help me build this in terms of a business side of things. So things are starting to fall into place. And then this lovely being landed in my world and he hopped on my live video. And I was sharing, you know, just overall what my North Star was, what I really wanted to create and what I envision around the education model, really creating a new society. And as I was sharing that, he hopped on the live and he was very supportive. And he even said, you know what? How about we connect and let's just chat it out. And so we had a conversation before this. We connected on a good level. And so I said, you know what, man? These kind of conversations are not, are not happening enough today. So how about you and I just hop on a Zoom call? Hop, and we try to make this go live. We had some trouble, but we're still going to get it out there. I was like, how about we just hop on a Zoom call? And let's just chat this thing out, man, and just get this message out more into the world. So I don't want to ruin your introduction, Paul, to let us know a little bit about yourself, what kind of work you're doing, and anything else you'd like us to know. Beautiful. Thank you for the uh, introduction. Uh, my name is Paul Hanreader. I'm located uh, near Calgary, Canada, a little place called Chestermere, just outside. Um, how to describe myself. So I'm... Basically, on this deep spiritual journey, cleaning up a whole bunch of stuff, and I've been given these gifts of very clear awareness of what's going on in the world, what's kind of twisted. Um, my grounding is in, or my preferred healing modality, I guess, is sacred sexuality. Uh, I have a group called Awakening Through Sexuality that's uh, private on Facebook, but Basically, I've been through all my healing and the most rapid way I find is to get people back into connection with their root sacral uh, parts of their body. And there's a huge amount of trauma there. And the quicker we can move the trauma through, uh, the quicker those persons can get more connected to themselves, to self-love, to money, to all these things. And it's really about getting them in touch with their body first and then uh, spreading out and uh, uh, starting to use sexuality as a healing modality. And uh, most wow. people would, wouldn't know that, but our sexuality has been taken away from us as our birthright because it's our creation energy. If you want to create something, create a baby, create a business, create all these things, that huge rush of orgasmic energy that's part of our sexuality that's been kind of taken away from us societally. You got to get married before you can have this and you got to do all these things and choose one for the rest of your life has actually turned into this big trauma that keeps people out of their creation energy, doing, giving themselves pleasure or finding pleasure in their lives. So, mm. um, so that, that's a big part of where I started. And now it's very much into talking to people about giving them new perspectives on reality. So I have a kind of a podcast I put on my Facebook page. Anybody can join me under my name. 
and we just deconstruct reality. Okay, why are you making this choice? Who said that? Where? Who's speaking in your head when you're trying to make a choice on a partner or life or whatever? And it's your mother and it's this your friends and all this kind of stuff. Once we start to decompose some of the stuff, we show people that really we're living in this, trying to please and and feed a societal construct that's not really serving us. And we forget to self-love ourselves. So it's kind of the yeah, root of very, it. Very, very true. And you did say something that I want to touch on. You said, I'm kind of seeing, I'm seeing what's happening today. Like what's kind of like, what's screwed up in the world today. Not in that exact language, but you said along those lines. Mm-hmm. I know what I see, but from your perspective, I would like to know what do you see about the world right now that may not be serving our, our highest good as of now? And what kind of things are you seeing today? Um, well, I see a lot of people. Okay. So when we grow up and we're taught, there's a societal conditioning that we're probably not aware of, but it's basically grow up, go to school, get a, get a university degree, get a good job, find a spouse, have kids, buy the house, get the trailer, get the whatever, And we're following this kind of path to happiness because everybody tells us that's the thing. I got to 40 years old and I found out I I actually had to divorce my wife for love because we were on this path and my wife had some trauma and other things that wouldn't allow things like sexuality and stuff in our life. And I, I had to go underneath it and, and resolve that for me which meant having a divorce and, and screwing up the societal norm of having two parents in a, in a thing. And the more and more I got underneath it, the more and more I realized that we're, we're loving outside of ourselves all the time. And society wants us to fill ourselves with our partner, fill ourselves with our money, our job, all these things. When you get to bottom and you start seeing all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of death and taxes in there because you can give your love over and over and over again. And a lot of people won't give it back because they're kind of stuck in the program. If we start to switch that and then you start choosing you in every situation, something magical happens. You start to love yourself and the world changes around you. And it's no longer about helping people or pleasing people. It's about finding things that light you up. And we've lost that for a lot of people. And I'm trying to show people that that's underneath. Mm. Does that align with yours? Man, dude, start choosing you in every situation. That was a writer down right there. That was super good. And that is exactly what we're seeing today because like how you said, we're constantly looking outside of ourselves. And that's what I feel like the education, our current education model is literally designed to do. Our current education model is immediately focused on labeling outside of ourselves, focused on climbing this ladder, uh, this somewhat ladder that I've never seen. I don't know if you've ever seen this ladder of success. I've never personally seen this ladder, but it's talked about like it's so true. But I realized that we glorify this outward focus and I mean, think about it. If, if you know, the moment I started saying cup, that's a door, that's a hat, you know, my mom was probably like, oh, look at my son. He can say cup. He can say hat. He can say. And so we literally glorify this outward focus 
where we're constantly, constantly thinking outwardly, trying to gather things. And I realized that a lot of people never snap to just stop and realize, where exactly do I feel love? Mm -hmm. Where do I experience joy? Mm -hmm. Where do I experience anger? Like, do I experience these things? Uh, do when I get paid, right? Like money supposedly makes people happy, right? Until you get money and you realize, holy shit, it doesn't make it doesn't make you too much happier. But if you were to receive money. I wish people would stop to sit down and ask themselves, is this money, is this money the what's radiating the joy? Mm. Or is it just triggering what's already within me? It's an addiction. <laughs> Keep going. It, you know, you're very it's it's that it's an addiction to a feeling that we believe is outside of ourselves. So we're addicted to trying to create it. But if you understood that joy bliss, exuberance, whatever emotional that whatever emotion you're trying to feel right now, if you can just stop and realize it's an abundance within yourself, there is no addiction needed. There is no chasing needed because you now kind of live with the energy of my needs are always met. And when you live with that energy of my needs are always met, there is no need for for the addiction of outward accumulation or you know trying to hurt other people trying to lie to other people trying to get your way to the top is what i'm seeing and and i truly believe that an education model and all of us what what me and paul are sharing you guys know this already this is not we're not i don't like looking at myself as a teacher or like I am a guru or anything, because these are not my teachings. These are simply things that you realize by putting yourself first, by paying enough attention to yourself. These things become very obvious just by paying attention to yourself. So it's kind of like we're reminding you, and this is why I believe an education model that teaches us how to remember is more important than an education model that teaches us how to learn an education model that teaches us how to remember exactly what we come from. And, and to normalize us. Yes, to normalize. Yep. to normalize being a unique individual without the need to conform to outward concepts. Like we don't normalize, we normalize conformity. <laughs> You conform, if you do exactly what they say, then you're doing it, you're doing the right way. But you know what amazes me, Paul? Is that, are you like like into quantum physics at all? Or like, you know, just, you know. I'm aware of it, I believe in it. Uh, you don't, <laughs> I experience it every day. <laughs> exactly, I mean, we all do. I mean, you know, and so when, when you get down to quantum physics and you notice that no specific atom actually has a definite position, but it has a superposition, meaning it exists everywhere at one time. It can exist here and here and here and here. The probabilities are infinite. When you understand that literally the space we're walking in is full of infinite potential, you ought to be a fool to think, to think there is one way. Absolutely. To do things, right? One way to do things. And um, it's my hope that we can create an education model that turns people inwardly 
So if you if you were to if you were to set up an education model, Paul, mm -hmm. what do you think will be the most essential thing we first start learning to remember right when we're at the age of that kind of capacity where we can sit down and kind of conceptual conceptualize things? The what biggest, would on your radar? The biggest thing would be because kids are born with that. It comes into them. It starts at home where they start to get normalized. Then they start to get squashed. Uh, lineage trauma and all these different things all create stories which shrink our children. And then we push them into a system. I, I, I'm just going to add a juxtaposition to what, what you're saying here. And then I'll finish your question. But that system forces them to sit in a desk, forces them to watch the teacher, forces them to shut up when when they may want to talk or move and forces them in these grading systems, which they have no choice. I don't know if you know what the bell curve is, but the bell curve is a way of taking a higher mark and bringing everybody down, even though the whole class did good and bring them all down. My, my children are in the education system and my son was in grade eight and the whole year of those children must have been amazing children because 80% of them were on the honor roll. Nobody could believe that 80% of the kids were 80 plus in their grades. So that it was like, oh, we got to adjust this somehow or, or whatever, rather than just recognizing that this was a really smart batch of kids. So we, wow. we end up with these things in the system that normalizes over and over and over again. So what we're doing is we're limiting possibility. It's like, this is the way the world works. This is the way you got to do it. And this is, listen to me. I know better. A, a lot of teachers are on power trips. I'm not saying they all are, but a lot of them are trying ah. to belittle and it's a little kingdom. So ultimately, it's to get that freedom of expression back. Yes, it's complicated to manage a classroom of 20 kindergartners that all want to express and they all want to be excited and, and all that kind of stuff. But the system forces them into a room and forces them into chairs and forces them into this. If those were outside and they were able to express their energy by running around or getting some level of freedom where they get to choose a lot of the acting up behaviors, the ADHD, the, the whatever that's all being diagnosed because these children aren't controllable would be freely expressed because the child feels like he's got a choice. It's like not sit in this chair and listen to the teacher for eight hours when he just wants to run and play and, and talk and listen. And we, there's less social in school. There's all these things that, that need to be expanded. It's not just on the playground. It's about learning and experience from each other. And then some magic starts to happen. Those little children that are in our heart and get crunched down can stay and grow properly. And you can move through your stages of growth rather than being stuck as a child at four or five years old from your trauma, you're progressing through it and you're becoming an adult spiritually at the same time you're becoming an adult physically. Mm. And a lot of that isn't happening in this world because we're, we're closed in and, and closed off reminding children that they have choice. I mean, reminding everybody that they have choice because there's so many people who don't flex that power of choo choosing. They, the you, you're forced to not know that you have it anymore. 
and and you give up. And so let's talk about why the hell we are forced to be in a classroom, why we are forced to believe that this is a specific way and anything outside of this is absolutely just, you know, you're you're, you're just the scum of society. I truly believe that one, we are, there is definitely somewhere, I do believe somewhere, somehow, there is a group of people who are legit scared uh-huh. of what man, of what it means to be human. Uh-huh. Like they don't, un- they, they, they probably understand, they probably get an idea, they probably have an idea of like, okay, we are way more intelligent than what we are perceiving ourselves to be. So let's make sure we're kind of just dumbed down with everything. And I see that we look at those A's as intelligence. Mm-hmm. If you get an A mm-hmm. just for remember, so, so in other words, you are labeled intelligent mm-hmm. just because you can remember a little bit more than the next person. You can bring a bit more information to your conscious awareness. Mm-hmm. And we look, we, we associate memory with with intelligence. I'm uh-huh. sorry, but like, I don't believe that that's intelligence. Like, just because you get a 4.0 does not tell me you're intelligent. What that tells me is, damn, you got a great memory. <laughs> like, that's really what I perceive it as. Or, or you're really good at reciting what comes in a book or what the teacher told you or, or, or whatever. You're following what other people told you. Right. And this is not to belittle anybody who's gotten great grades in school, all of that. Like, congrats on that. I did horrible school. I don't know about you. I think I graduated like a 1.7 GPA, but hey, I freaking made it. And, um, exactly. And, um, but who's to say that running around outside and expressing yourself isn't intelligence? Yes, who's to say is. that dancing, drawing, singing, uh-huh. creating things that the little kids want to do play uh-huh. who wants to say that that's not intelligent and and can you not see how the creativity has been trained out of the whole process it's like it, it's not art it's not whatever it's like do this do this read this book do this there's no creativity it's reciting somebody's vomit to you no shit and it's even like if you're in art class, okay, you're going to draw this. If you're in a writing class, okay, you're going to write on this subject. Mm-hmm. It's like, they, like, you're right. There's no creativity. It's like, hey, we're going to let you create a little bit, but you got to create within the walls of what we say is to write. And that's one thing I remember, man. I, I, not to toot my own horn, but I do see myself as a very talented writer. Growing up, though, I never got the opportunity to really flex my writing until one teacher seventh grade Dana Phillips who man Paul you would love her she is super spiritual now and like I just love her but she was the only teacher the very first class where we would this was seventh grade but we would go in class and the first like 30 minutes of class or whatever was strictly a writing thing was our journaling but she would just let us journal about whatever the hell we wanted uh-huh. And with no restrictions, if you want to cuss, cuss. And w- whatever is going on, just journal. Uh-huh. And then as I was journaling in that class, that's when I realized, wow, there is a creative element here that I did not know I had. 
I'm just sitting here writing whatever the hell, whatever the hell is coming up for me. Mm-hmm. That's because I didn't have any, I felt safe to fully express myself. Mm-hmm. So imagine how many children or how many people that are listening to this right now, imagine how many avenues of creativity they completely shut out that they mm-hmm. did not know that they had for one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just brought something up that I, we can talk on again is I felt safe in that classroom to express myself in that journal. So how was that teacher different than all the other teachers? Because there is a magic there. She's still a teacher, but she created something new within a system where everybody else was following it. It it shut you down and you got opened up. Exactly. And I realized safety, the feeling of safety, you would never, ever express yourself if you do not feel safe to do so. And in the school system, the current education model, I know you're in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in U.S. I'm not sure how the education model is in Canada, but in the U.S. it's very, very like still the old, old, old shit. It doesn't have to change at all. Exactly. And it is based off of fear, Mm -hmm. off of discipline, Mm -hmm. off of like just it's just driven by fear and then that power complex. Like, man, I've had a teacher straight up look at me in the eye and tell me, Adrian, you're a waste of oxygen. <laughs> word for word, Adrian, you are a waste of oxygen. Yeah. And it's just that, 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 that fear that they like to instill in everybody. Why do you think fear is such a big part of the way that we bring our wondrous children? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Up? So... Here, let's paint a picture. Imagine instead of it being a school system, make it a livestock paddock where you're dropped off at the door and you go mill around with the other cows and the cows have to stay within the fences and everybody's just doing their thing and there's a real structure to it. It's like an alarm goes off at this hour at moment and you gotta go here and you gotta, at this moment, you gotta do this and you gotta eat your lunch here. You are being groomed to fit into a system of working isn't a job, the exact same thing, except now your creativity is for someone else in a very structured way that makes them comfortable. Are we being trained or giving the possibility to understand our unlimited potential? No, the whole system, the whole normalization of society is to create drones of people that are programmed by tv and programmed by all these things that just show up to work are calm and docile and will take a minimum wage job so the whole bunch of people higher up can make a lot of money if you really tear it all down we're all walking on a treadmill and money and bills and all these things that we show up that's part of our life that tear us down and make us not good enough they're all tuned to keep us just above the poverty line or struggling just to be better so that we can start to be creative again and get the time and breathe for a minute so that life can change kids and soccer and all this kind of shit business is literally busyness it's you keeping busy and not focusing on yourself yes look at it you're just constantly focused outside serving a customer serving the business making money and all this kind of shit you never really had a chance in any of this. That is so true. That is so true. We never had a chance in any of this. And 
okay, what you said about business is 100%, right? And if you look at it, our education model is like literally directly in line with creating employees that are going to keep this business mentality going. Mm-hmm. This business mentality of more, 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 more. It's like we are, mm-hmm. in other words, the education model is designed to put you in a system uh-huh. where you're at the bottom, uh-huh. there's a concept of the top, uh-huh. and you have to make it to the top. Uh-huh. Now, in order to make it to the top, there is an accumulation of uh-huh. stuff. You got to accumulate all this stuff. Knowledge, then, success. Yeah, keep going. Exactly. Knowledge and the material things. This uh-huh. is just objective style reality. And when you look at it, the, the con, like the whole fundamental basis of it is you're not enough. So prove it to us by doing this, 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 and a little bit of this, this, this to our standards. And then once you get to that trophy, you're finally enough. So we are literally born, we are literally born with no idea, with no concept of you not being enough. No child is born with self-doubt. No child born is born questioning their abilities and none of that. Uh-huh. But we are easily persuaded to believe that, hey, you're really not enough. And so our whole education model is based off of a premise of the need to survive when survival is the most simplest thing ever i mean an earthworm outside knows how to survive they make a living why do you why are we so obsessed with having to make this living so i just want people to know that if you go through the education model chances are there's a feeling of you're not being enough and if you're listening to this you probably feel that way and i remember specifically when i was growing up i don't know if you can tell paul but I can't say my S's or my R's fully through and like correct. I've been able to like get really good at it, but there's always that impediment. Okay. And around five years old was the first time I got made fun of by like, like basically my whole classroom. Cause I remember I was trying to say the word, the word thirsty and I couldn't, I was like toasty. I could not say thirsty. Mm -hmm. And then the whole classroom started laughing at me. And then I immediately thought that something was wrong. I was like, holy shit, something is wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I am different. And then before you knew it, man, it's like I lived this entire life of not ever feeling like I was adequate. And it's so sad that we put beings that we don't even understand through such a system. Like I want people to know like the human being that we are, we don't understand Uh what the hell this is Uh yeah we break down the body we can point out every organ in the body and stuff but you completely lose life the moment you do that Uh you can't sit here and tell me you know life by knowing flesh and bone Uh life is not flesh and bone you Uh know there's something intelligent here Uh and i just what i see paul is i see children coming to school Uh and spending time with themselves before they learn Uh how to do anything. Uh If we spent time with Uh ourselves, 
all of these things like understanding how to add, how to multiply, how to subtract, how to do all these things, these will be a natural, this will be a natural phenomenon of self-realization. Uh-huh. Like of us sitting down, uh-huh. being with ourselves, we would naturally understand all of these things. Uh-huh. Like there's a guy named Sada Guru. This guy basically knows, I mean, the craziest scientifical shit that people don't understand. They're like, how, how do you know that? He's like, I don't read books or anything. And they're like, well, how do you know? He was uh-huh. all like, I know this life. Uh-huh. And if I knew, if you know this, uh-huh. you know everything from the start of the universe to the end, if you believe in a start and an end. Uh-huh. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that just by learning about our, just by becoming associated with ourselves do you believe that all of these things that we're trying to learn as like the curriculum do you believe these will be just a natural kind of uprising just through self-realization so what we need to be aware of is this constant needing you talked about it needing to be good enough needing to comply needing to whatever so I went through high school. When I graduated, I I got an engineering degree. I spent six years of my life getting a computer engineering degree. And I'm sitting, walking around in the world now using a degree that 95% of all that complex math and all that kind of shit that I had to learn, I'll never use again. It taught me how to learn. It taught me how to understand things, break down problems into smaller pieces so they can easily be solved. And 95% 95% of the rest of the shit was, was somebody's idea of what I would need to be a computer engineer. Okay, take this programming language, do this math. The, this, the math that you do in that is like six pages of freaking formulas and breaking down and transmutation. You make one error anywhere, you're screwed, right? So ultimately, all these things can be learned. I, what, what I see most people is, they, they have this blinder on. It's like I, at 18 years of age, had to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. My parents said, get a degree. I wanted to be a computer programmer. My dad said, be an engineer. because, And I'm grateful for that because that would give me the ability. Engineer is like a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. It gives you choices. You can be anything as an engineer if you want. I know lawyers that started as engineers. I know other stuff. So it just gives you this freedom in the society. But Ultimately, we train into one thing because it will earn us money and we hate it. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be an accountant or whatever because our parents say that this is going to carry it forward. What I see in life is it's a constant journey of trying new things. I get tired of shit after three years or four years and either I get promoted to a new job or I leave that job. And and that's what the human spirit is begging for. That's what the children need. With internet and knowledge available all the time, there's so many beautiful choices and you can learn anything and everybody's problem is an opportunity to solve that problem, make a business out of it, all this kind of stuff, but nobody's taught the skills to be able to do that. Now, I wanted to touch back on one thing you said about being uh, criticized as a child in your classroom. That is a symptom of people that aren't happy with themselves. So they have to belittle and make 
anything that's different wrong and laugh at it and make them feel small because that's how they they like themselves because i i'm better i must be better because adrian's lesser or or whatever and it's bullshit it's taught into us as a coping mechanism and if you start looking at so much of society and especially in education it just makes us never choose us and that we're always striving to please a bunch of people and eventually i'm 50 years old you find out that you can't please anybody the only person you can please is you and you got to make a choice for you and you don't think you have a choice because you got to make Sue happy and your spouse happy and your kids happy and your job happy, your boss happy. Now you're self-employed and it's like, okay, I don't have to make anybody happy. I want to create content that makes clients happy and then they'll pay you and all these things. Is that taught in school? Not in for Iota for a second. Because no, you're not on that thing. How I don't know. Did your parents choose to say, well, you got to get a good degree because that'll keep you safe for the rest of your life. And then I, I work for a company called Northern Telecom or Nortel. It went bankrupt out from under me. I was supposed to have a pension for the rest of my life. I was set for life. I worked 15 years. One day it went bankrupt. That whole thing got destroyed in an instant through no fault of my own. What do you do? You How, how secure is that? None of this stuff is secure that you could invest your entire retirement saving in the market will drop out and it's all gone. And that happened to millions of people just a few years back to make a bunch of fucking rich assholes, even richer. The system is so canted to make people infinitely rich, which is not even spendable rich. Cause there's nothing that you can buy when you got 43 trillion dollars, like 30 zeros after it we need to get that balance back. We need people to be sharing and, and balancing and, and giving back and not about a chase of all this money and not the Walmarts and the Costco's and all these places that are just sucking money in all the time at people's expense. It's exactly crazy. And imagine if we saw it as a universal exchange, like, a, like this is our money mm-hmm. and we just like just imagine that world and a world like that can be created and i'm crazy enough to believe it can be created before i'm dead you know i'm thankfully i'm 20s in my 20s i got some ways to go and the reality in one way one thing real quick before i go off on this you said how we are like we're 18 we're supposed to know what you're gonna do for the rest of your life this concept oh my god okay so it's insane right now I have a cousin who feels forced to go to the Marines and he does not want to go fight, especially for this country. He's just like, I'm not going to fight. I don't want to do that, Uh but I don't have my life together. Uh I'm just working. Uh And I'm like, you're 18. Uh You think, I'm like, dude, your mom doesn't have her life together. Our uncles are, I'm like, we know so many adults that do not have their life together. And I'm like, I'm 24. People will think I have my life together. I don't even know what life together means. Uh What exactly does that mean? Uh You know, and for him, he felt like, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I feel like if I just go to the Marines, I'm going to be productive. You want to talk normalized? (laughs) Go to the Marines, right? Like, no, even this thing. Like, yo, you're coming in as this person, but you will be this. 
you know, and we're going to make you just like all these other guys. But what was crazy was like the pain in his face when he was talking about going to the Marines, Mm -hmm. pain he was feeling when he was talking about, I feel like I'm just fucking up like a loser kind of, you know, like I'm just not, I'm just working and staying at home. Like what the hell? I'm like, I'm not going to say his name, but I was like, yo, you are 18 years old. And I was like, life is impermanent. That's what makes it so goddamn beautiful is the fact that this is impermanent as hell. And I told him, and I was like, I want you to know when I got this tattoo, that was a certain mindset. When I got this tattoo, which I wish I never got, I'm like, that was a certain mindset. This one, this one, this one, this one. I'm like, I was like a different person with each of these tattoos. And I was like, so what makes you think the, 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 the mindset that's making a decision to go to the Marines is not going to want to be, is going to be the same mindset the moment they're two weeks in and you can't back out of it now. And so I just want people to understand what you're doing right now does not have to be what you do for the rest of your life. Like me, Paul, I can tell you wholeheartedly and I don't care if my clients hear this. I'm not going to be a fitness coach forever. It's not something that I see is like, okay, this is dead stone. I am stuck with this forever. I know in my mind, I probably got a couple of more years doing this simply because I feel a natural tendency Uh to want to do something else. Uh And that is the key here. Those natural urges, those natural tendencies, those natural inspirations that you feel like you're not doing, but you just feel an energy of wanting to do something else. Uh But we suppress that energy by saying, "Uh, but I have this degree, Uh but I spent all my time doing this and creating this. Uh I believe in an education model that teaches us it is okay to do, to have different passions at different parts of life. Uh You know, I was passionate about rapping when I was 17 years old making music when I was 17 years old. Now, I'm not passionate about that shit. And I'm very vocal with the fact that we are consistently changing. And you want to live a life of same uh-huh. the entire time when you're an infinite being? Uh-huh. Oh my God, talk about fucking prison right there. It's about exploration and we're not being allowed to explore. There's so many rules, rules on sexuality, rules on your job, rules on how you make money, rules on all these things. Look at your buddy. He is so locked in the cage of all the rules. Maybe he doesn't have enough money or parents can't give him college or, or help him get started there. When you get so beat down and such in a cage of how it's got to work, then they're forcing to make choices like like the Marines or whatever. Oh, just spend four years and you get a college education and blah, 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 blah. Cause they don't see they have, they've been so worthlessness or whatever by family, by school, they don't feel they have any other choice. And it's, it's pretty and sad. Why wouldn't you, it's crazy that we don't question mm-hmm. the things that we're told. Mm-hmm. We look at them like they're an ultimate fact about life rather than just a mere perception about life and Hercule I think his name was Herculitis I think that's how you say it uh-huh. um but he said what is says, um one of his um, followers asked him what's real and he goes that is real which never changes 
or that which never changes is real. Uh-huh. And these concepts, they came from a mind uh-huh. that changes uh-huh. over and over again. Each thought that you think is gone as quickly as it came. Uh-huh. It's just gone. Uh-huh. And then you think another thought, that thought's gone. So the, if you're, the nature of your very thinking, of your thoughts are changing from moment to moment. I mean, we're thinking between 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Uh-huh. If your thoughts are changing from moment to moment, how true are they? Uh-huh. How valid is that concept? Uh-huh. I just wish, I don't wish I'm going to create in some way, shape, or form uh-huh. a model that shows people, hey, even what I'm teaching you here, question it. Uh-huh. I want an, an education model that is based off of direct encounter, direct experience. Uh-huh. Like, I don't believe in this unless it's an experience for me, unless it's actually true for me. Okay. rather than a conceptualized model, an ex- experiential model. What are your thoughts on that? Well, where does what the heart feels exist in any of what we do now, other than love? And really, our brain is a tool. And we've been taught that we are our brain, we are our mind, we are our thoughts, because that's where all the control has been programmed. Think of a computer that's full of a million wrong stories and rules that say you're bad and don't do that. And we stop living in our heart. We stop having that pull. It's like, okay, we're attracted to a person, but I can't be attracted to that person because I'm not married to them. And they're not in the same religion as I am. And what would my mother think? Because I'm a lesbian and and I'm following this urge or whatever. What we want is right down here. And if you look at science and a whole bunch of there's brain tissue in our heart. And nobody understands that the heart is where our auric field radiates from. It's the center of our energy and we are all up here. And if you look at a person's auric field and energy, most people are living in the future. So they're like a foot out of their body. So they don't even feel their body. They're not even having a visceral grounded experience. How can you make money? How can you be connected to money if your feet aren't even in your feet? You you feel this sometimes if you ever feel your throat is all choked up and you're about a foot above who you are because it's like, oh, I'm going to feel happy next week when I get that money. I'm going to feel happy when I go on vacation. I'm going to feel happy in all these things. We're constantly carrot and sticked by the world and that carrots right in front of us. And we're like, oh, it's finally going to be there. You're just that donkey that's sitting there doing the field and plowing it and exhausted at the end of the day. And yeah, they gave you the carrot because otherwise you wouldn't do it anymore that's the system that's taught us. It's not taught us to ground into ourselves, meditate, breathe. We're constantly in fight or flight. We're constantly afraid that we're going to die or we're not going to have enough money for our rent or our food or protect our kids and our cortisol systems. And all of these things are just your parasympathetic nervous system has you like this all day long. We're only sipping air into our lungs. We're constantly thinking we're going to die because of this system that's created all this panic and all this chasing of money and happiness when really 
the only place is the moment right here and right now and just sitting back and taking a breath. That's what kids should learn. Don't learn anything. Don't take any action until you've breathed. You're not triggered. And then start to make choice. Not, oh, I got to, and then you get in that busyness and you're chasing and you're chasing and you never catch up and you get to 80 years old and you die because you have cancer and you're full of poison because you didn't take the time for yourself. That's our world. And how many people do you know that are truly happy? You have some grandparents that are maybe smiley and fun or whatever, uh, but everybody's in this system of chasing and, and trying to find and fill themselves with love. Kids need to be taught. It's right here. It's always been right here. We're part of God. We're infinitely part of God. Like just like you're part of God, just like your hand is a part of your body. And um, and that was so beautiful. I like how you said, how can you be connected to money? How can you be connected to say, how can you be connected to anything? But that's where your happiness is all hiding behind. Who taught you that? (laughs) Does money help you? Have you heard that story about the guy who dropped his keys outside or dropped his keys inside of his house? Okay, go ahead. He was under the streetlight. So okay. this guy basically, he lost his keys inside of his house. Yeah. And he was like looking everywhere inside of his house. He couldn't find them. It was pitch dark inside of the house. So he goes outside mm-hmm. and his neighbor was doing a neighborhood jog and his neighbor ran by him and he just saw his friend looking around, looking, mm-hmm. like looking on the ground under the street light. Yep. His neighbor just stops and he was like, hey, uh, what's going on, man? He said, well, I dropped my keys. I can't find them. He said, oh, I hope you find them. So they're both sitting there just looking around, looking around. After about 15 minutes, the runner was like, hey, man, okay, we just, we looked everywhere at him. Where was the last time you saw your keys? Let's go, let's backtrack. He said, oh, well, I lost them in the house. He was like, well, what the hell are you doing out here? Why are you looking out here? He said, oh, well, in the house is dark. In here, over here, there's light. So I figured it'd be easier to find them. And that is literally, like you said, that is the world everybody is living in. We close our eyes and we're like, okay, they said everything's in here. Let me try. Okay, it's pitch black. There ain't shit in here. I open my eyes. There is color. There is, oh my God, there is everything. Yeah, let me pay attention to that. When the reality is light actually originates from right here. Light does not originate from out there. We perceive light as something that comes here, but light cannot be perceived that there is not an optical lobe in the back of the brain that can actually perceive a light. So truly the source of light is within you and you wouldn't even be able to perceive through that optical lobe if there wasn't consciousness, not in the brain, mm-hmm. but around the brain. Because I don't believe that consciousness is in the brain. Brain is in consciousness. How do you know that? You're conscious of the fact that you have a brain. That is clear as as day that the brain is within consciousness. But just understand, see, even on a scientific level, like on a science basis, reality is completely created inwardly. Your, your brain is your projector of your reality, of your perception. It's receiving and, and filtering 
and the tool took over. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, is our perceptions are not the same. Like, Paul, no matter, even if you're in Canada, you came all the way to Austin, Texas, you stand, you stood right here, and our shoulders were touching, and we were looking at my computer screen, we would not be seeing the same thing. We're looking at a computer screen, but the reality is we're looking from two different perspectives. We will never be able to see through the other person's perspective. And it's not that we're seeing two different computers, but we're seeing our own reality. We're not looking at the reality. We think that we look at the reality, but we are literally looking at our reality. Just think, of, just think of it as one big empty dark room and everybody walking around has their own little field and it's just their projection screen. It's their movie that they wholeheartedly believe is the movie that everybody sees. And so if all of us knew that, if, if children went within before they went without, we would understand that we can create our own world by, the, and we will also understand that there is no such thing as Paul and Adrian, only I. Mm -hmm. Imagine the world we would create out of that energy. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And then, okay. and then add on top of that, a bunch of really powerful people that thought they knew better than everybody else. And they put a veil and a hood over all of us to keep us from really knowing our reality and limited our world and put us in a cage for them to be served is what is superimposed on top of that. Our shared reality got all confused and a whole bunch of stuff was inserted that isn't yours, but limits you from who you can be for someone else's gain. Mm -hmm. That's slavery. That, that slavery, I mean, that is probably the, the deepest form of slavery, if you're going to And we're all in it. And when that cover comes off, people are going to be so fucking shocked and so in fear and angry. But we need to get back to our freedom. And that's what you're talking about is part of it. Go ahead. Exactly. That's why the world needs these conversations. Absolutely. So I just want to appreciate you more than anything, man, for taking time out of your morning to come and just chat with me about this, brother, because mm -hmm. I truly do believe that the more people that talk about this, the more lights that are being lit up. I mean, I truly believe that conversations like these are easily the most essential thing in today's world, because like NASA says, we do not have another century of humankind, mankind existing mm -hmm. on the planet Earth if we continue the route we're going. Absolutely. So the time is right for mm -hmm. the transformation of consciousness. And it is conversations like these that pique people's interest enough. We know these conversations can never contain the truth. Never. The truth of what, the truth can never be contained into words, period. But hopefully these conversations, my hope is that these conversations pique somebody's interest genuinely enough that they want to go within themselves. And it's their idea not ours, so they can experience yep. all these we're, things that we're talking about today. Planting a seed so they can start to inquire and find their own truth. And when everybody's going from their own truth and not a shared reality truth, magic happens. Absolutely, man. So if you had 60 seconds left mm -hmm. on this world, in this world, and you were just getting ready to bounce, okay, <laughs> what would be your final message to the world in total? 
I know that's take a really deep breath, sit down, feel into your body and start to close your eyes and feel what's in your heart. Be deeply present, smell, feel, hear, which for a lot of people might be their very first time. And they're going to see a whole new world in all this other, when you're rushing and you're not observing and you're not present, you miss out on all the fine details. How does that cereal taste in your mouth? How does the wind or the air on your face feel? How's the sun feel? We lose those things. Those are the true pleasures. Those are the true gifts that we just rush on by every single day. So just spend that minute to find your ground, get yourself into this body and start to believe that you're good enough and that everything is happening for you, not to you. Yes, yes. As, as you were saying that, I was literally looking at my keyboard, like really looking at it. And I was like, okay, I got to clean it first. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, all the details I'm missing, mm-hmm. right? So I appreciate that, man. So again, I want to thank you so much for, um, for taking your time out of your day for, to hop on this podcast, man, and share this with your community. So um, real quick, I know um, I want you to just go ahead and share where we can connect with you. And I'm going to drop those links in the show notes. So if you guys want to join this community, join his, um, yeah, all of that. And you can go ahead and you can click the show notes to do that. So just one more time before I let you go, what, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, well, find me on Facebook, Paul Hanrader, right on the bottom of the screen. That's my primary. Uh, Living Your Light community is the community that I'm trying to create. We never even went there, but it's similar to your education system, getting people in a, in a space where they can open, work through their trauma and be held really safely with other people. Uh, and then the final one is uh, the Awakening Through Sexuality. It's a private Facebook group because we talk about stuff that some people don't want to hear about or whatever. Um, but we start getting people back in touch with their body and, and teaching them how to ground and feel good. And then starting to understand the power of our sexual energy as a person, how it can clean our chakra systems. You don't need antidepressants. You don't need all this kind of shit. If you're having a bad day, your orgasm is built into your body. You can use that to, to free yourself from any bad mood. You can go completely grounded and, and fully meditative. I don't have to teach a person how to meditate. You're in a meditative state after you've had an orgasm with yourself and to get there and to understand that that's accessible at any point in time is magic because everything normalizes all the dopamines, all the medicines that you need come from your own body. You don't have to rely on a pill or be out of balance. It's magic. Um, so we're going to have have to have a whole nother conversation on that, man. Just a sec. Cause that piqued my interest. I'm just like, hold on. I mean, I've heard, I've heard about the power of sexual energy, of course, absolutely. but I've never like, like what you were just saying to me, I was like, oh, God damn. So yeah, we're definitely going to have another conversation on that. You've seen the repression from church and state and all this kind of stuff. Why are they trying to hide that so deeply and make it so deeply shamed? Because it's your infinite power. It's your co-creation. Let's in business, you got to know what sex magic is because sex magic is creating an intention through an orgasm with another person to go into your business and expand your business and open and flush all that passion energy into your life creation. It's manifesting at its maximum. Wow. So. Okay. 
Well, guys, be ready to see Paul back on the podcast for that conversation because that looks like we just opened up a can of worms and we definitely got to empty that can out. So we'll go have another conversation. But aside from that, thank you so much for spending your time with me today, brother. Thank you, Adrian. Keep shining.